to The Cannabis Professor, a marijuana science and culture podcast, broadcasting from Pennsylvania to the rest of the nation and the world. My name is Scott, I'm your Cannabis Professor, and today we're going to talk a little bit about COVID vaccinations. Now, this is not a subject we've breached too often on the show. Uh, I had mentioned COVID before, and just a little bit of where cannabis and COVID meet with some Canadian scientists trying to figure out if cannabis could be another resource in treatment or prevention of COVID. And the data was very encouraging, showing there's a possibility that cannabis could help. But of course, that's going to take quite a bit more science than just one or two years. However, thinking about COVID and thinking about cannabis users, uh, you know, we find ourselves in a very specific light because Most folks who've used cannabis traditionally are smokers. You know, if you use medical marijuana, then you already have some medical condition potentially that qualified you for a program and you use cannabis, inhalation being the most popular version, even with vaping and dabbing and stuff like that. So we're talking about a public of people, us cannabis users who are potentially medically compromised, historically anxious and paranoid individuals, And, you know, we're the kind who don't really jump too quickly. You know, I find cannabis users are often maybe a little more patient in some ways and, you know, like to take their time and others. And when we think about something like COVID vaccines and doctors and hospitals, you know, we find much like law enforcement for cannabis users, you know, authority and people kind of telling you what to do. They don't ring too, too sweetly on our ears. You know, we're the type of people who follow the laws we believe are just and will not follow the unjust ones. So when I feel a lot of this COVID information came out and they're talking about eligibility and standards and who and what and how, you know, I personally, even being very much into science, uh, for those of you who've listened and loving to look at really the root cause, still felt a little bit of that like, well, I'm interested in this vaccine thing, but my first feeling is I don't know if I want to get the first run. You know, much like with cars and for anybody who's ever played a video game system or bought electronics first run, you realize the first time they let something out, it's usually the most problems, right? The first wave, the first generation is where they have to figure out everything that needs improvements for the second generation. So I kind of felt the same feeling of, eh, maybe I'll wait and see how it is with folks. And so even though the vaccines were out for a little bit, it was something I wasn't really trying to jump into right away. However, that being said, for those of you out there who don't know, uh, not only do I flap my lips every week on this here podcast, I also run another one called You're the Sandwich. Please check it out if you have the time. But I digress. Uh, I also work in the Pennsylvania medical marijuana industry. That's something I, I don't say as often, but it's one of the reasons why this podcast can provide such deep information. You know, it's really coming from the ground floor, a lot of this. For those of you who are passionate about cannabis, especially the medicine and helping people, you know, this industry may be a good option. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But the one great reason related to all this COVID stuff is that when you work in a medical industry as an essential frontline worker, you then qualify as a 1B eligibility for the COVID vaccine. And that means in general, you get a higher priority for the vaccine, you kind of get to sneak to the front of the line. Now, recently, 
they open up the vaccines to 1B and I was thankfully able to get in and get the stick. So I got the vaccine uh, as of this recording two days ago on the 5th of March. I got the first shot of what is two shots. And as I was getting it, I thought, you know, with how much misinformation on the internet is out there and how much just general standoffishness people have with some of these fast, loud and political sorts of things, uh, why not at least report a primary experience so you all could know exactly what happened, at least for this fella on this side of the microphone. So to start off, really, I thought it'd be best to understand exactly what does 1B mean for eligibility requirements for the vaccine. And uh, it's not too hard to understand, thankfully. So when we're looking at who's able to get the vaccine right now, because it's not open to the entire public, it's something that a lot of folks who are listening, potentially you have to wait maybe even a month or more before you're going to be able to get in line. Mainly, why is that? Well, they wanted to make sure people who are the most exposed and the most susceptible, you know, the high risk individuals to get it first, you know, prevent as much of the carnage of death that we've seen up to this point. And that makes a lot of sense to me because my mother uh, had a pulmonary embolism about a week after they declared COVID-19 a pandemic. And she had to be hospitalized at the ripe age of 69. Good job, Bob. Um, for her lung getting a blood clot and shutting it down or at least reducing its functionality. So, you know, hard to breathe. And when you're talking about COVID being more of a respiratory issue, uh, you know, big time danger for at least my mother. And so she would be a 1A. Now, she double qualified technically because not only is she, you know, high risk, but she is a healthcare worker. She was a nurse at a hospital that she, funny enough, was admitted to for her care and then left and went back to work there once she had cleared all of the protocols. So healthcare workers are 1A, which means they get first priority of vaccine and also what they call LTCFs, long-term care facility residents. So people who are you know, under the care of medicine pretty much from that point, uh, they are also gonna qualify because they are usually medically compromised. And we saw this happen too. COVID ran through a lot of like nursing homes and old folks homes, which really did create a lot of the uh, spikes in the numbers, especially New York way. Now that takes care of 1A, which I did not qualify for. I'm not a healthcare worker directly, although I do work in a medical field. So healthcare workers, long-term care facility residents, they were all 1A. I mentioned that medical marijuana employees qualify for 1B. And that's because we are frontline workers which is one half of it. The other half are folks 75 years of age and older. So we're talking about, again, the old folks, retirees, people in the twilight years of their life. They're very susceptible to COVID. They are the high risk factor individuals. And so they get the 1B classification. And below that, there is one more, which are 1C, makes sense. If you're 65 to 74, years old, uh, or you're another type of essential worker that is not frontline, you then can qualify as well. And these three stages, 1A, 1B, and 1C, they are all going to be, you know, generally the populations who have access to the vaccine before it goes to the gen pop, right, to the general populace, and everybody's able to file in. There's a couple reasons for the tiered rollout. One, priority of risk, and two, there's not that many vaccines, so you can't just have lines a billion people long all over the place. They want it to at least roll out slowly and more efficiently, you know, with shorter lines and shorter dosing 
also, they just don't have enough. So they know they have to sort of pick and choose exactly what makes the most sense from a strategy standpoint, like playing a weird video game. Now I mentioned I'm one B, I got the shot just two days ago and I got it, uh, what was that? It was on three, five of 2021, March 5th, uh, just before noonish. I want to say I got the poke right around 11, 15 AM that day. So I'm going to report on my experience exactly, some of the symptoms, some of the wait times when I saw the onset of some things. And funny enough, I did want to do this yesterday. You know, I like to try to get my shows out as the weekend begins versus when it ends. But I was experiencing enough symptoms that it was worth waiting the extra day. So um, I was able to get the Moderna vaccination. But to understand what that means, there's really three main vaccines in focus we're going to talk about. Now, there may be more at the time you're listening to this podcast, if it's in the future. Uh, There may be four or six, you know, if they're getting their stuff together quickly. But it start out with two, and we have a third vaccine, which is coming to market seemingly very quickly. So the very first one that's out there is the Pfizer vaccine. Pfizer with a P, of course, because they're assholes. But Pfizer is uh, two shots. So you have to come and get a shot, and then you have to come back three weeks later specifically. Now this shot is similar to the Moderna one that I took where it's two shots, weeks apart, and you get a 90% plus uh, effective rate. You know, it prevents COVID or whatever it's supposed to do uh, above the 90th. I think it's like 95% plus potentially. And that is Pfizer. <clears throat> but one of the about things about the Pfizer one, because it's just a three-week wait, so you kind of get it done quicker than a month, is that it needs to be kept under extremely cold conditions. Dare I say close to cryogenic freezing, sort of like liquid live resin. And the thing is, if you need something to be that cold, you can't keep it in a normal fridge. You need like a blast chiller, nitrogen tank sort of situation, specialized refrigeration, the sort of thing they can pull off in a proper hospital. But not really something they pull off in most pharmacies and little medicine huts around, little drugstores. And so that means that the Pfizer vaccine, which I would have preferred to get because I'd rather just get in and get out, right, in under a month's time, uh, is generally what a lot of the healthcare workers can get, the 1A, because they probably work in a medical facility like a hospital that can actually keep that vaccine very cold. At least here in America, that's mainly a hospital thing. Maybe in other countries, they have super cool drugstores, but not here. So I doubt I'd run into too many people who got the Pfizer. However, my mother, as I mentioned, is, does work in the hospital, and she did get the Pfizer shot. Now, at least for her, uh, since she is half of my genetics, she did report she did feel a little tired. Arm soreness was there, and she sort of tried to strategize, right? They ask you as you come up, which arm do you prefer the shot in? Because they know that arm is going to suck. It's going to be sore, and it's kind of hard to lift above, like, half-mast a lot of the time. And so she thought, although, you know, we're a right-hand dominant family, like most families, um, she sleeps on her left shoulder. And of course, sleep is very important, especially as you get older. So she took it in the right shoulder the first time and the left shoulder the second time, just to make sure she was able to find one side of her body to sleep on a little easier. So just a good strategy on the patient side of these shots, but the Pfizer shot just three weeks apart. Super cold needed, so most likely in the hospital. Now, as I mentioned, I got the Moderna one, which I have to wait 
four weeks. So pretty much a solid month between shots. Uh, I got my original one on March 5th. My second one is scheduled for April 2nd. So pretty much that, you know, 28 days-ish apart that we're looking for. And this one, of course, is also 90% plus effective, probably closer to 95%. And, uh, you know, I'll we'll go through that story in just a moment, but at least to clean up this list, the third shot, which is coming out or may just be out, is Johnson & Johnson, double J as I like to call it, known the world over for their No Tears Baby Shampoo. But Johnson & Johnson uh, is working on a one-shot kill uh, where you just get one vaccine dose and it's around 80%-ish effective. And a lot of people think, well, that seems pointless, right? Now, there's a little bit of politics behind this, so let's at least dig in just uh, below surface level. So we realize that a lot of folks are just anti-medicine, so they might feel that vaccines and something this intense is just going to ruin your children, give you Asperger's or autism or something, you know, with all the anti-vaxxers out there. And one of the big reasons is a lot of folks I've seen online arguing this whole effective rate. They're like, well, if survival of COVID is 95 percentile, right, just being a normal human being, most people, 19 out of 20 people would survive getting COVID without much issue. They then look at these vaccines and they say, well, if this vaccine's only around the same 95% effective, then what's the point? The illness only kills, you know, that lower percentile of people, less than 5%. I'm sure as the numbers get in, it'll be less than 3 or 2% overall. At least that's the hope, right? We don't want people dying for no reason. But a lot of folks think that these numbers share the same space. If Johnson & Johnson is only 80% effective and getting COVID, your survivability rate is 95%, then what's the point of getting something which is less effective than my own natural defense immune system? And herein, there is a big old difference between the two things because when you get COVID and they talk about 95% survivability rate, that's the mortality rate, right? That's if you get it, whether or not you're likely to die or, you know, maybe leave the situation with some permanent enduring injuries or symptoms. But these vaccines are more about transmission rates as well as survivability. So if I'm less likely to get COVID because of the vaccine, that is just adding on top of if I were to get COVID, whether or not I'd survive. So although naturally, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, not a person who's too scared of catching COVID because I should be able to survive it by the numbers. The thing is, this is reducing my ability to get it, not just enhancing my ability to survive it. So if it were a video game, you might have armor, which protects you from arrows. And then you might have a shield, which you can use to block the arrows on top of your armor. And so our armor is our immune system. It's our natural defense. But if I was going to run into a field of archers, you goddamn right I'd want to have an extra shield. If I could have a shield that's 80 to 90% effective at blocking arrows, and then I had armor on under, you know, behind that, which also was 95% able to help me survive an arrow if it hit me, I'm pretty sure I would want to hold the shield too, right? Like I would want an airbag in my car along with the seatbelt. You know, seatbelts, they prevent a lot of death in cars, but an airbag does extra work to prevent further injury and maiming and things. So there's really two 
similar things that are not the same going on. And so for a lot of folks who don't want to wear masks, a lot of folks who don't want to listen to the scientific recommendations, they're kind of putting everything on the same pile. If I get COVID, what happens? But we're just trying to prevent you from getting COVID in the first place. Don't let your immune system have to do all that work. And so I feel the skill tree of life is better. It's about improving the defense in many areas, not just in sandbagging your immune system. That being said, as I said, I got the Moderna shot. So let me walk you through exactly my experience. So initially I got an email from work because uh, it has to be something sort of coordinated through my job because of the 1B classification. If I don't prove my employer and my eligibility, I obviously can't get in line. So it was scheduled uh, in an hour window between 11 and 12 on Friday. And I went down to a lovely place for anybody who's local to the Philadelphia area or north of Philadelphia. It's right in Elkins Park, a place called Yorktown Pharmacy. Uh, and if you hit me on Instagram or anything, I'm going to actually put a link or some information about them because the, the experience was absolutely efficient and pleasant for the day. So I arrived there a couple minutes before 11, and I had to prepare um, a small sort of pre-qualifying piece of paperwork. It wasn't anything as far as eligibility because my job was able to send that in. What this piece of paper was a basic name, date, address, phone number sort of thing. And then on the bottom, you had to write a couple of things about allergies. Because one of the big factors with these vaccines is most people will be able to take it and get a very low expression of symptoms. You know, it just sucks a little bit is a good way to put it. But some folks may get an intense reaction, allergic, anaphylactic, something in the realm of not good. And when that happens, uh, you know, we want to be able to medically treat those folks and resolve those issues. There's also been some speak in the background, which I also thought about when I'd heard that some folks got like a little bout of what they call Bell's palsy, which is partial facial paralysis, sort of looks like half your face is numb or isn't moving. Like the dentist kind of fucked up where he put the Novocaine or she put the Novocaine particularly. Now, nobody wants to go through that because I've had people, you know, online say it's up to four or six hours and one person, it was like three days. They're walking around with half their face looking like they stroked out and no one. I mean, in a country with this amount of, you know, cell phones and quick pictures, nobody wants to represent themselves in a moment where they are disadvantaged physically. So a lot of folks were like, I don't want to get fucking palsy. I don't want them to jam me with a needle and have my face go numb. Uh, I even read one person said they got the stick, got the shot, and then they left instead of waiting. And as they were driving home, they started to feel their breathing reduce and they had to stop at the ER and get treated for a couple days for what was an allergic reaction. So the big thing when you're filling out this piece of paper is what are you allergic to? Have you ever been allergic to anything? You know, if you have, please let us know. This might be a great way to predict whether or not this is going to work out uh, in a safe way. And of course, that's exactly what we're aiming for. So arrive there with my little one page of paper filled out and signed at the bottom and uh, hand it over to the gentleman with my driver's license, I believe. Pardon me. <coughs> and uh, was put into the queue. You know, he said, hey, you know, for the amount of room we have in here, try to keep social distancing, right? Because COVID's around and we're all there for that reason. So I waited outside with some of my other coworkers, uh, just, you know, waiting for the line to pretty much rotate. Once I was called in, went and sat down, real basic chair. He got the needle ready. And I had heard from some folks, it seemed like it was a super long needle. 
I don't really have any issue with that as I'm a gentleman who's been voluntarily tattooed many times, even paid for it. And, uh, you know, needles don't really bother me, but I didn't take too close of a notice. However, when I looked at my next coworker getting the shot, I was like, eh. I mean, it's not a small needle, but it's not like some huge, you know, sort of killer needle. It just seemed like a, like a needle, you know, by any other definition. I went into my left shoulder where I actually have a tattoo, but, you know, he went right into what I would call the front of my medial deltoid. Now, for those of you who may not be into the kinesiology, biology level of, you know, musculature, if you look at your shoulder, you know, just turn your head and look down uh, at your left shoulder, since that's where I got the shot, the frontmost part of the shoulder, you know, somebody punched you facing forward that faces the same way as your nipples, that is your anterior deltoid, the front deltoid, if you will. Now, there's the piece of deltoid that goes downward, and if you lift your arm straight out to the side, this is mainly the deltoid you're working on, and that is your medial deltoid, or the middle striation of that deltoid. And then on the rear, you have the posterior, which is what gives you that sweet basketball teardrop, which I've always wanted but have rarely been able to achieve. So if those are the three muscles in your arm, they kind of shoot it in the middle, it seems, because after the shot, I didn't really notice. Funny enough, actually, this is absolutely honest with you, it's not that I'm like some pain guru or anything, but I did not feel the shot at all. And there's like some, I mean, there's a good amount of vehicle of medicine that goes in you. And I didn't feel it even a little bit. I mean, I've gotten tetanus shots like yearly when I was machining. And I remember seeing the little bump they would kind of put the medicine under you with. And it would take a little while before it would calm and it would burn a little bit. I've gotten plenty of shots in my life and even blood withdrawn. And this shot was like a... 0.1 on the scale of 1 to 10. Now, for those of you who may be scared of needles and stuff, there could be other anxieties, but just don't look. And honestly, they didn't have to like put any pain cream on the skin. It was just very easy breezy. And then I sat around for 15 minutes, making sure I wasn't going to have any of those quick allergic reactions. So as I said, I did read a story on the internet about somebody who did have that allergic reaction where their lungs were affected. But they did not wait. And although they were being responsible, just speaking about their experience, and they even said all things that had happened to them being considered, they would still get the vaccine because it's the right thing to do. We are a society. We have to care about each other. Even though they were part of folks who were, you know, ill-affected, at least to some extent. But everybody in the comments said, well, why didn't you wait the 15 minutes? You know, like that's the whole point. You're not supposed to just jackknife out of that parking lot. You're supposed to make sure that there's at least not an immediate reaction, which is negative. So, shot the shit with somebody for about 15 minutes, and then peaced out. And honestly, at that point, I was like, you know, I had been told that there's some immediate reactivity in some folks, like some swelling, some soreness, and I was fine. I, you know, drove back, and I drive a car that is uh, manual, so my technical left arm is steering and having to use that same shoulder muscle, that deltoid, while my right hand is shifting for me. And, you know, I went back to work because it was not hard to do. And I finished out a work day, which was not hard to do. So at least on the day I got the, the stick, I got the actual vaccine. I did not have to take that day off. I would have not taken that day off at all, even knowing what I know now, even less likely to take that day off. So uh, a lot of folks are concerned that getting the vaccine is going to take them out of work for a while. And I'm sure that there's some folks who are taking advantage of that. And just saying, oh my God, I just feel so sick. And getting a couple extra days off in one of these times where you can't really call anybody on it. 
I'd run into a medical professional that I work with, a pharmacist who had gotten uh, the vaccine maybe a month ago. So she's already gotten both shots and she reported her symptoms. And I would say mine were pretty close, not the same, maybe a little reduced from hers, but she said, oh man, my shoulder, you know, was sore. And she said the second shot, it was even more sore. So I got some stuff to look forward to, it seems. However, uh, she said her lymph nodes felt like they swelled a little bit. And uh, your lymph nodes, you have sort of immune system parts. You have them under your arm, they're in your neck, different parts of the body where they help, you know, produce immune functional biological entities. And, you know, whenever you feel like you're sick and the doctor sort of feels under your throat, if your throat's swollen, well, the part of your throat that swells is your lymph nodes. You know, they help out. So if you're sick, they're working a lot and they swell with action. So she said that her lymph nodes in that sort of underarm on the left side swelled up a little bit. She felt her neck swell a little bit. She was achy. Uh, she was fatigued for a couple days. And then she said then the second one, you know, did not disappoint. It seemed to amp it up maybe by a, a two or three times factor. But this only, you know, for a couple days, maybe one to three days afterwards. So at least my experience compared to hers was. And I timed it, actually. As soon as I got the stick, I put on a timer on my phone so I could see how long these things took. And two hours after I got the shot, I finally started to feel some level of inflammation in my shoulder. I was at work. As I said, I got the shot just before, you know, 11.15, 11.30 ish. So right around 1.30, which funny enough was right about the time I went to eat lunch, finished up. And as I was getting up to throw away some of my lunch extra trash, it's like, ooh, oh, shoulder feels a little sore right now. It's just starting to build, you know, and I could kind of start to perceive exactly where the injection was. From that point to the rest of the night, it wasn't too bad. It was just a sort of soreness you could perceive at all times. So, you know, sometimes you get a bruise and you don't know it until you hit it or it hits on something. And you're like, oh, God, I didn't even realize I had bruised my arm. Like, when did I, when did that happen? Well, this is more like a neck crank, right? If you have ever sore neck, wake up with a crick in your neck on a day, you know it all day, right? Like people will sometimes ask you, yo, is your neck okay? Because you're moving your whole body instead of just your head. So it's that sort of pain where you know it's there the whole time and it sort of radiates. It's not like a warm, sunburny kind of pain. Uh, this is more like you pull a muscle in your shoulder and whenever you even think about moving it, you can immediately feel that like something's not happy. Because I believe they shot it sort of in the middle shoulder, right under your medial deltoid, for me, I can feel the pain and limit of range of motion the most when you go to like put on deodorant maneuver, you know, you try to reach across the body because now that's using almost every muscle in your shoulder to create that complex action. And even as I'm saying it and I'm mimicking it, you can't see it, uh, ooh, wincing like hell, wincing like I'm at the dentist's office. Uh, so day one, I would not say was anything mentionable. It was just, oh, my shoulder's a little sore, but it wasn't nearly that perceivable. Just little irritation in the area. Yesterday when I woke up, it started to more so get into, uh, I would say something significant enough where I had to plan around it. You know, I didn't have much planned for the weekend because I had a real busy week at work and actually a little flight travel. So a part of my fatigue this weekend was also uh, jet lag and sort of getting back to zero with some flight travel I did the day before the vaccine. So I had sort of a compounded level of wear and tear on my body. However, I recover pretty quick. You know, I eat a pretty good diet. I try to exercise as my injuries and body allow. And so usually a day or two, I recover pretty quick. But yesterday, 
So I said, I actually want to record all this yesterday and say, hey, I got the shot yesterday and I'm feeling pretty good, just a sore shoulder. And I woke up feeling all right. You know, my shoulder was without a doubt uh, sort of immobile, lacking range of motion. Hand and wrist are fine, elbow are fine. But if I want to lift this sucker up or grab something above me or even pull a plate off the table, it's, oh, I got to think about it and take my time because I'm likely to drop something and fall out of my arm. There is that much weakness in just the musculature from the trauma of the needle. But as the day went on yesterday, you know, a friend of mine hit me up and we went out to a farmer's market and did a little shopping, trying to get some fresh. And uh, walking around, which, you know, isn't very taxing. You know, I was mostly resting this weekend. I felt like an old man. Felt like uh, not only with the mask on and just having belabored breathing restrictions with uh, some fabric in your mouth, but also I just felt tired. You know, this was the true fatigue people have described. It was not like tired, I need to go to bed right now. It kind of felt like I had just gotten done like going running and I hadn't run in a while, you know. My whole body kind of just felt rickety, a little cold, a little like, ugh. Uh, if you ever were outside for a long time on a cold day and you grab like a really sharp doorknob, like a lever doorknob, but like your hand's not ready, sometimes you pull a heavy door open and like your hand just feels like, ooh, felt like it just like went right to the tendons when you're pulling at it. And everything felt that way. I mean, you know, I saw my wife and gave her a strong hug and was like, oh, you know, she squeezed me back and it was almost a little painful. Whole body was just sort of inflamed, a little irritated. As I said, kind of felt like you worked out too much and everything was uh, letting you know it. Slow motion all day long. And as the day went on, it got a little worse and worse, a little more muddy in the joints, a little more slow in the breathing. And even then today, you know, I went to sleep. Um, I use a lot of cannabis products and I had theorized that a lot of products would help. You know, I had some of my concentrates here, um, some Blue Dream Rosin, had some Forbidden Fruit Sugar. I used in a Puffco Peak to dab out and that was able to, you know, probably help my mood just not feel so underneath. I also think I smoked a J. I used actually some of Terrapin's Pain Cream. Uh, if you're in the Pennsylvania market or in a market that has a, like a lotion salve or pain cream, that's THC focused. I did about midday as it started to kind of get a little angrier and louder in the shoulder. I did rub some in very lightly to the injection site just to see, you know, it's a very deep pain that's in there. But uh, I'd love to know if lotion can help. And I would say that it helped reduce some of the notice in the surrounding area, you know, where maybe it didn't feel so bruisy, but where the epicenter was of that injection, it did very little. And that kind of makes sense because usually lotions are just skin deep. And this needle obviously went muscle deep. So I can't expect it's necessarily going to chase all the way down. But it did help some of the motion of my shoulder along with a warm shower. I was feeling a lot better. But the biggest help, you know, and I'm sad to say because I was hoping cannabis would provide it. You know, I had some edibles later in the day, probably about 20, 25 milligrams worth of edibles, some capsules. Just trying to see what would be most effective as I tested through the day. And honestly, I got no better relief than I did with just a slight dose of ibuprofen. Might be paracetamol if you're across the pond, but uh, 400 milligrams to 200 milligram hard, you know, tablets of ibuprofen. Probably around eight o'clock at night, I finally took because my body just felt like you know trying to get off the floor. I feel like it's taken a little too long. And after taking ibuprofen and hydrating very well, I could say that I felt rather chipper, you know, my body still had a little bit of aching to it, but it wasn't so much that it was stopping my thinking and making me think, well, there's just nothing I'm going to do tomorrow. 
you know, today, it's not quite noontime yet, but I'm thinking I might even go exercise uh, outdoors or at the gym because although I don't think I'm going to bear any weight with the arm that has the shot in it, this morning I put on some deodorant and it was very possible. Still took a little longer than I want, but it felt like, you know, the damage was healing a little bit. Um, I can trying to right now raise my arm above my head fairly. I mean, if we were in a bidding war at an auction, uh, I would probably not be able to buy anything if I had to raise it with my left hand right now. But for being two days in, almost exactly 48 hours after the shot, I have to say that the mornings are easy, the nights get a little rough, and uh, I'll keep taking notes and tabs on it as it progresses. You know, I got about three or four weeks to go before I can get the second shot, and a lot of folks said it's worse. I've had some people say the first shot was worse and the second one was a lot less noticeable. So, you know, kind of curious to see what my fate will be given both shots. And I'll be sure to let all of you out there know exactly what happens to me. So that way you at least get some direct version of the story. You don't have to worry about all the politics and people saying they grew superpowers and hairy breasts or anything like that. We can actually know some things for real. But that is all I have for you in this episode as I go into my third day of recovering from the vaccine. Uh, as I said, I'll report back to you in early April after the other shot. But if you, uh, if you would enjoy this podcast, if you find these sorts of things interesting, please like, share, subscribe wherever you are on the internet. It really does help the podcast grow if you're able to share it with a friend to build the listenership. You know, my goal is 10,000 plays this year. Last year, I did about 2,500. I know I probably won't hit it because I'm lazy on social media, but it's always good to aim for the bullseye. And I think with your help, if you know anybody who might be able to benefit from this cannabis information, please, please spread it, you know, sort of likely, hopefully. Outside of that, thanks once again for listening and be sure to keep your head on straight and your thoughts lofty. I'll talk to you next time. Be well out there.